in a series called Reroute My Thinking. Reroute My Thinking. It's really been an awesome series. This comes out of our RELATE teachings. RELATE is an acronym, and it teaches us how to do, God's rela- do relationships God's way. Uh, so R is the first part of that teaching, and it's reroute my thinking, and it's kind of the, the foundation of what we want to accomplish inside of us. Um, so today we're going to talk with you about unnecessary pain, unnecessary pain. When something hits your body, your nerves communicate to your brain something hit, and then it begins to assess how hard was the hit. How much hurt is there to that hit? Am I going to need help because I got hit? And it begins to assess that information. Do I need to fall to the ground because I got hit? And it begins to process and understand how difficult that hit was. Well, in the same way, when something hits you emotionally, someone says something or someone does something, your brain is looking to see if you get hit. And sometimes people are saying things and you think you're getting hit and you're not. It's unnecessary pain. Your brain will pick up on things that you think people are hitting you with when they're not. It's unnecessary pain. Here's what I want to encourage you with today. Most of what others are saying and doing to you isn't intended to hurt you. But your brain can pick up on things that hurt you not realizing that it was never intended to hurt you and it was never even about you. Most of what people are doing is about them just trying to serve themselves, them trying to take care of their own threats in life. How many times in a day are you upset because of what someone did or what someone said? Was it really something to be hurt about? Was it unnecessary hurt? How often do you feel like people are rejecting you? Were they really rejecting you or was it unnecessary hurt? Was it just something that happened between your ears? How often do you think people are intentionally trying to say something or do something to hurt you when they're actually not? How often does that happen? And what I'm saying is this. The overwhelming majority of the time, people are not thinking about you. They're not thinking about how you're processing what they're saying. They're not thinking about your feelings. They're thinking about what they're trying to communicate and what they're trying to do in life. They're not worried about you because they don't realize that for the most part, people aren't nearly as interested in destroying your day as you think they are. Really, they're most interested in what they're wanting and what they're doing. That guy on 380, he wasn't thinking about you when he cut you off. They weren't thinking about you, but it feels personal, right? He cut you off what? For himself. I've got to get somewhere. I need to go somewhere. I'm late. I've got somebody counting on me. I'm frustrated because I just can't believe that all of this traffic is here and it just shouldn't be here. The point is not that we just go through life saying, well, boys will be boys. That's just the way it's going to be. People are people. And that's just the way life is. The point is this, that you go through life not thinking about you. The point is that you not taking things personal that aren't personal. Why? Because things that aren't personal are unnecessary pain. 
It's unnecessary pain when I make something up in my head that was an offense that really wasn't an offense. And so that's what we're trying to deal with today. What's the truth? People who go through life blatantly hurting others or blatantly threatening others, they weren't raised right. There's a word that you can look up online and you've probably heard it. It's a, there's a lot of it. It's called narcissist, right? Here's the truth. The truth is the first few years of a child's life are the absolute most important years for parents to teach their children, hey, when you give someone a dirty look, they're not going to like you. When you throw things at people, they're going to avoid you. When you throw temper tantrums and you're five years old, people are going to go, well, that's the, that, I don't understand that. Even the kids are going to do that. Parents have got to teach their children these things in those first few years. Otherwise, they grow up to be narcissists. And if you're living with one, please don't point at them right now. These kids grow up. And they don't realize how they're threatening the people around them continually. All these people are in my way. I have to get around them. And they're not thinking about what they look like. They don't think about how they're acting. They don't think about how they're threatening. But yet, while they're doing that, the people around them are taking on unnecessary pain. This guy is doing this to me intentionally. This guy thinks he's better than me. That's not true. He's just thinking about himself. Unnecessary pain. You have to decide, I'm not going to take on an offense. I'm going to be unoffendable. I'm going to be unoffendable. King Solomon said this. He was one of the wisest men that ever lived. God granted him wisdom. He said this, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. But John, if I look over the if I overlook the offense, they're just going to get away with it, and that's not good. Well, no, listen. Due justice will come. But you got to give it over to God, otherwise it ruins your day. You can't let it take off your course. You can't let it take you off of your course. You've got to continue following your course in life no matter what people do. And some little offense could cause you to get off course so easily. When you overlook an offense, you're setting yourself free from unnecessary pain. When you just overlook it, let it go. You've got to reroute your thinking and, and decide, you know what, my purpose in life is far too important than to get caught up in this one little thing. I have purpose, I have a reason, I have a meaning in life, and I've got places to be and people to help and things to do. That's my purpose in life, serving God. And I'm not going to let that one little offense stop me from doing what God has called me to do. Solomon also wrote this, do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. What's he saying? Keep your ears plugged, especially if you're in leadership, right? You don't have to know what everybody's saying around you. You don't need to know what it, what it is that they like and don't like. You just got to keep doing your purpose, right? Especially with those who are envious of you. Don't listen to them. People will always be talking bad about those who are servants in leadership, right? People are always going to be talking bad about the, the people that they serve. And there are always going to be Monday morning quarterbacks. We've got a few here, don't we? I'm a Sunday morning quarterback. Alabama lost last night. It was rough. 
There's always going to be backseat drivers in our lives. Yeah, you enjoyed that, didn't you, Tristan? Listen, you're always going to have people telling you how you could do it better and how you, they're going to be putting you down and they're going to be, what are they doing? Some people are trying to get ahead by putting others down. That's the way it is. Instead of doing the work to actually, that it actually takes to build themselves up, they want to bring everybody else down. I remember one of the first jobs that I had, I was sweeping the floors at this place. I was in maintenance. And this guy walked over to me. He goes, man, you need to slow it down. Why? Because you're making all of us look bad. I was like, man, I'm working unto the Lord. I don't know who you're working for, but I'm doing this for the Lord. He wanted me to slow down. All right, so what if there's a true offense? Well, Jesus spoke to it. He said, if somebody truly offends you, if this is, if this is something, here are the steps to take to deal with that. He says this, if a fellow believer hurts you, step one, Go and tell him, work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. It's good, isn't it? Don't go over here and get advice from this and that and this and that. You get offended. You go and tell your brother or your sister, hey, this is what happened. Did you mean this? Did you say this? Is this what it meant? Why? Why did Jesus say this? Because he doesn't want us full of, of this meaningless pain in our lives. And he wants relationships to be restored, right? He says, go tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you've made a friend. Step two, if he doesn't listen, take this step. Take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep this thing, things honest. And try again. If he still won't listen, go step three. Tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you'll have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, he's saying, here are some steps to potentially remedy this relationship. So here are some good rules to live by. If you find yourself in a situation where you're offended and you're wondering, is this real pain or is this unnecessary pain in my life? And you can't get rid of it. Well, he says, all right, if, and here's what I want you to hear also. If you're not willing to go and talk to them personally about it and say, hey, is this what you meant? Is this what you, you, are you really trying to communicate something with me here? If you're not willing to go and work it out with that individual, then let it go. Forgive, right? Just let it go and forget about it completely let it go we have to recognize that sometimes we want to be offended I know you don't want to do that but I do sometimes all right so I'm going to talk about me for a minute I like to be offended why because it makes me feel bigger than the person that offended me boy it's quiet maybe I am talking about you Sometimes being offended is fun. Come on, don't act like it's not. We like to be offended. No, I don't. Well, then why do we pick up on so many unnecessary pains all the time? People aren't always trying to offend us, but boy, we pick up on it. You know, being offended sometimes gives us a reason to be irresponsible in life. We look for reasons to be offended so that we can be irresponsible in life. I have discovered Andy's ice cream. Concretes. Oh. 
hasn't completely replaced Tasty Cake Bells yet, but man, it's awesome. And I will look for reasons to be offended so I can find my way in line at Andy's Ice Cream. I know where they are all across the Metroplex. Oh, it's so good. Chocolate with banana and strawberry and mixed nuts. Oh, man. It's awesome. We like to be offended. Why? Because sometimes it gives us privilege of being irresponsible. Being offended serves our flesh, so we'll make up reasons to be offended. And if I'm not, listen, if I'm not willing to go to that person that I've taken that offense from and say, hey, did you mean this? Let's make, let's get this right. If I'm not willing to do that, then responsible, the responsible thing is for me to let it go. Why? Because I need to understand that there's something in me that's gone wrong, and I probably am experiencing some unnecessary pain because I'm looking for a reason to be offended. Second thing, you know, Jesus talked about was, hey, bring a couple of people in. So if you're not willing to go to the next step to get others involved, say, say, say you go to your brother or your sister and they're like, no, I, don't, I don't get what you're saying. Well, then you've got to take a couple of people with you that are good spiritual leader people that can, can deal with the situation. If you're not willing to do that to bring accountability to the situation, if you're not willing to do that, then you need to let it go. Why? Because there's something in you saying, you know what, if I'm not willing to have witnesses to what I'm bringing to this brother or sister, if I'm not willing to have witnesses to this, then probably there's something going on wrong inside of me. And I would be embarrassed for them to hear me say the words that I'm about to say. So I probably need to let this go. What's driving me? You got to reroute your thinking. What's driving me to want to be offended in this situation, right? I've had people come to me with an offense that I brought, that I gave to them, and sometimes they were right, and sometimes they were reasonable things, and I was able to talk them through it and make it right with them. And, and just like Jesus said, man, you've gained a brother. There's great things that happen in a relationship when you work through situations like that. It means that you guys are able to come together and talk. It's really good. It's healthy. But I've also had people that, that were coming to me with unnecessary pain, things that were made up in their heads. You know what I'm talking about? Pains and offenses that they made up because they wanted to get something from me. And they're trying to control me or they want to take the church in a different direction and their own ideas, their own feelings, expecting that they could have what they wanted just because they brought it to me. They would lay out their offense. They would say what they would want. And if I would say, I'm sorry, I don't get what you're saying, then the responsible thing would be, all right, so that we can reconcile this relationship, let's bring in a couple elders, right? So we've done that. It's up to them as to whether or not they're going to listen to the elders, right? It's up to me. And after the meeting to say, all right, was there anything, guys, that I should listen to? Did I miss something here? And it's important. Why? Because it brings accountability to the situation where my feelings are, are not there and their feelings are not there and we're communicating at a good level. This is the way Jesus said to do it. And the third thing, if you're not willing to bring it before the church or the community to present your offense, 
then why entertain it in your head? Listen, the next time you get, in, you get in a situation where you're offended, you're frustrated, and you don't understand, or you're hurt, these are the things to look at. Am I willing to go to my brother or sister and talk to them about it? Am I willing to go to my husband or my wife or my child or my parent or whoever it is that you're dealing with this? Are you, am I willing to go with them and talk about it? If you're not willing to do that, let it go. And if you're not willing to go before some accountability, let it go. You're wasting your life on this. You've got way more important things to do in your world and in your life than worry about the things that hurt you. Because it's unnecessary pain, most likely. You've got to choose your battles in life. Choose your battles. We let every little offense distract us. Keeps us from doing what God has called us to do. That's got to stop. I walked into a um, president of a company one time that I took care of years ago. Walked into his office. As I walked in, I did what I normally do. Just kind of knocked on the door. Hey, Gary. He was sitting at his desk. This is a bulldog of a guy. Kind of like Tom. He's just, you know. He's sitting there at his desk. And I'm not kidding. You know, he's in a suit and tie. And this is a big company. He's, and he looks up at me. (laughs) I was like. (laughs) <laughs> and he, he just, just yelled some gibberish. Okay. So I walked out of the office. Now, immediately, my head started going, what in the world did I do to this guy? What did I do wrong? Why doesn't he like me? Well, wait a second. I haven't seen him since I saw him last time. There's nothing I could have done to him. Did I run pull out in front of him in the parking lot I start trying to think through things you know and then I started realizing you know what wait a second this isn't about me I had to reroute my thinking whereas I could have taken on that offense and said man why is he treating me this way what is he some rich guy that could treat me any way he wants to treat me is that what's going on here what makes him think that he could do that I could have gone down that road But instead, I had to reroute my thinking and say, you know what? What just happened had nothing to do with me. And I started praying for Gary, asking God to touch his life and help him with whatever's going on, whatever the frustration is. He's got big decisions, big struggles. You know what? I didn't need to confront him. I chose to be unoffendable. I didn't need to go to him and say, Gary, we need to work this out between the two of us. Whatever just happened here, we need to figure it out because it's not right. I didn't need that. I didn't need to take a couple of guys for accountability, get, the, you know, get a couple of guys and go in and say, Gary, we understand you've got anger issues or something going on. Tell me what's going on. Why did you feel the freedom to treat me this way? I didn't need to do that. I didn't need to gather the office and say, hey, folks, how many of you have ever been treated like this by Gary? I didn't need to do that. What did I need to do? I needed to love Gary and let it go. So a couple weeks later, what happened? Well, I approached his office again with fear and trembling this time, right? And as I approached his office, I was like, okay, just act natural, John. Knocked on his door. Hey, Gary. He jumped up from his office, from his desk when he saw me, and he had the biggest smile on his face that he could possibly put on his face. 
And he came running over and he said, come in, come in, come in. And he has a table here. He pulled out the chair for me. He said, sit down, man. He rolled out the red carpet so that I could just feel like I was the most welcome guest in his house. You know what I'm saying? He was trying to make it right. He knew what he had done and he made it right. But what if I hadn't rerouted my thinking? What if I had taken offense to that? I would have missed a huge opportunity. Because later on, I had the opportunity to minister to this guy in a very difficult time. Listen, real life is too painful to be going through life taking on unnecessary pain. People aren't trying to hurt you like you think they are. But what if they are? There's a way to deal with that too. James David, would you come? I want to tell you a story as we conclude today about King David. King David was the most renowned king of Israel. And he knew how to reroute his thinking. He was the second king of Israel taking the place of King Saul. Because King Saul had failed. King Saul had disobeyed God. And God stripped King Saul's kingship and gave it to David. A huge long story. In 2 Samuel chapter 15 and 16, there's the story of David having to flee Jerusalem. Leaving the palace... And his throne behind because his own son, Absalom, was overthrowing him. King David, his own son, betrayed him. Absalom, listen, we're in a political season right now. Absalom was a politician. He was a guy, he was one of the greatest politicians probably. The scripture tells us that this guy, he was a prince, when he was there and somebody would come before him and bow, he would say, whoa, 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 wait a second. And he'd reach down and he'd pick him up and he'd give him a kiss. I'm just one of you. Just one of you. He was a great politician. And he would make them feel so important. And Absalom had done that so well for so long that suddenly... All of these men, all all throughout Israel, wanted him to be the king. And he was overthrowing his father, King David, the anointed one. Absalom was never anointed by God to be king. David was. Well, to save his people from death and to save his own life before Absalom came into town, he knew it was going to happen. David packed up. And he took all of his household with him, all of his people with him, and anybody that wanted to go. And they started a march out of Jerusalem. Trusting that God would bring him back. Listen, David knew this was wrong. This was a true offense. This was real pain. He knew that he was God's appointed. He knew that he was God's anointed to be the king. And he knew that Absalom was not and that God would not stand for it. And deep in his heart, David was hurting for his own son. Because he knew this was going to end badly. This was one of David's lowest moments in life. You can imagine, can't you? 
Life had happened. Life had happened. Injustice was ruling the day. And the scripture records that as David was leaving all over the countryside, the people that loved David were just wailing, sobbing, and crying. And as David would pass by and his company would pass by, the people were just, this was a dark, dark day, not just in David's life, but Israel's history. As David and his company are leaving town. As David went up, it talks about in Scripture, as David went up the Mount of Olives, here's a picture of it today. Scripture is very descriptive. David was barefoot and he was weeping. He was hurting, hurting deeply. And after many years of a powerful and successful throne that David had ran, you know the stories, started with the giant that he killed, he slayed the giant, and then the people were singing, you know, Saul has killed his thousands, David has killed his ten thousands, I mean, all of it. David was such a successful royal king, just an amazing, amazing kingdom that he had built. Imagine this moment as he's, walking barefoot up that mountain, weeping because his son had overthrown his throne. The pain was real. Listen, this was real pain, right? Not just losing the kingdom, but also losing his son. An awful situation. And some of you can imagine this pain. Some of you have lived this to some extent. Maybe you owned a business and it flourished and it was doing great and then suddenly something happened and boom, it just gets ripped away. Or maybe you had a great marriage for many years and boom, he or she is gone. And you can imagine what that's like. An amazing career and suddenly they fired you. Suddenly they down, downsized. Something happened in your life where it was wonderful and everything was great for so many years and then boom, that's what King David went through. Listen, enough in life is going to happen, real pain, that taking upon yourself unnecessary pain is useless. And you've got to decide, you know what, I'm not going to live my life dwelling on unnecessary pain. Well, as David walked along, they came to an area outside of the town where the king, where King Saul's family, some of his family were still scattered in that area. They came to that area, and you got to understand, this was the former king's people. These people were angry. Because why? They used to be the ones in the palace. Their family had the right for that, but it was stripped from them, and they blamed it on David. And so they were very angry. They were bitter at David, and, th and there, was, there was all of that going on as David was leaving town. And Saul had disobeyed God, and God gave the kingdom to David, and that's why this was happening. Or that's why David was there. And the people didn't, didn't accept that. Those people that were Saul's family, they didn't accept that. They were just like, you know what? You're the problem. So they were angry with him. And as they're walking along, one of Saul's family members, a guy named Shimei, he was waiting and he was ready. And the scripture says that Shimei came out and he was breathing curse words at him. Just started screaming and yelling at David. And then he started throwing rocks at him. And this picture represents something quite remarkable for us to look at. As King David and his men and women, as they walked out of town, this guy, Shimei, just a peasant, 
starts throwing rocks at him, starts throwing dirt at him, starts screaming and yelling curse words. He started telling him things like, you're finally going to get what you deserve, David. This is what you deserve. You did it to us, now you're getting it back to you. He started yelling and screaming. What you handed out is coming back on you now. What goes around comes around, David. This is what you deserve. We're happy this is happening to you. And one of David's men, you can imagine how angry these guys were. He said, David, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and just cut off his head. All of us would want to do that, right? This is wrong. Let us go over and just cut off his head and this this will be done. David rerouted his thinking. This is what David said. And this is why David was called a man after God's own heart. God said that about him. The king responded this. If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David. Who then can ask, why do you do this? What? You see, David, his first response was to believe God. His first response was to say, maybe God is in this. Maybe God told him to say what he's saying to me. What? Why would David do that? Maybe God told him to say this. You see, what happened was David rewrote the story in his head. Instead of just believing this guy is unjust, he's saying stuff, and this hurts, and oh, woe is us, we're walking out of the city already, we're defeated, and now we've got this guy, he's just pounding us into the ground, he's, he's kicking us when we're down, and this is just awful. Instead of David taking on this victim mentality, he changed it around, he rewrote the story, and he said, whoa, 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 wait a second, guys, don't cut off his head. I see hope in this. There's something that God might be able to do for us in this. I see hope in what this guy is saying. Maybe the Lord even told him to say this. He rerouted his thinking. He rewrote the story. And then he tells them that this is, this is a good thing. Look what he says. My son, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite, this son of Saul? Leave him alone. Let him curse. For the Lord has told him to. He just believed that God told him to do this. And look what he says. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of his curse today. Wow. Maybe God will look at the bad and consider me somebody to be blessed. Maybe God, maybe he's storing up something for me to be able to receive. Don't stop it. And you can imagine David, he's probably like, no, 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 let him curse. Come on, Shimei, keep saying it. Come on, throw a rock, hit me right here. Come on, keep going at it. Maybe every time you throw a rock, every time you say something that curses me, maybe every time you do something like that, it's storing up something for God to bless me with. Isn't that awesome? David looked at the offense and saw God's opportunity for a blessing. Listen, when you leave mean and nasty people to God, 
trusting that God sees, that God knows, that God cares, and you believe that God will use that to bless you, he will. And you know the story, hopefully. Eventually, David came back to town. It's a beautiful story. Listen, you've got to determine in your life that you're going to filter out the bad and you're going to let the good come in. You've got to reroute your thinking. You've got to filter out the bad and let the good come into your heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you're still speaking defeat, if you still think that you're a victim, you have let some stuff into your heart that is, dis- that is just destroying you. And it's hardening your heart. And God wants to let good things come in. Maybe the stuff that's happened to you in this life were bad. God will turn for good. Do you believe that? Isn't that what Joseph said? Sold by his brothers into slavery, 13 years in jail. All the while, he had a hope for a vision. It's awesome. Boy, did God restore for him, right? Job. Did God restore Job's life? Absolutely. So where do you begin today? Let go of unnecessary pain. What are you angry about? What are you hurt about? What is it in your life that you still hold on to and you say, no, 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 I'm, gonna, I'm not, I'm not going to forgive this. I'm not going to let this go because if I do, they're going to get away with it. No, no. When you turn it over to God, God makes sure that justice comes. But you've got to turn it over to him and he will make things right. And how much of your life are you going to waste? How much more of your life are you going to waste on a pain that was unnecessary? And all throughout your day this week, each day this week, as you go throughout your day, when little offenses come, just say, no, 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 I'm unoffendable. I'm not going to take that on. I'm unoffendable. Everybody say that with me. I'm unoffendable. I'm not going to take that on. I'm going to let my light shine and know that God sees. Even if they meant it to hurt me. I'm going to do what David said. Maybe God heard that. And he'll turn it for my good and bless me. I want to read a, story, or read a passage to you as we conclude. Jesus went to church one day. Before he had even started his ministry, he walked into church. And it was just a normal, seemingly a normal, everyday Sunday, Saturday that was back then. Everybody sings the songs. They did their rituals and stuff like that. Then Jesus stands up and he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what he said the Messiah came to do. This is what he came to do. And after he read this, he said, by the way, that's me. And he sat down. That was a great day to be in church. Here's what Jesus read that this is what he says I will do for for my people. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. This was a prophecy that was fulfilled in Jesus, all right? To proclaim good news to the poor. 
Look at the contrast. Poor, but there's good news. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Healing, brokenhearted. To proclaim freedom for the captives. The captives, freedom. Jesus came to be the contrast to the negative, to the bad, to the ugly, to the disappointing, to the pain in our lives. He came to be that. And release from darkness for the prisoners. Prisoners, light, right? To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. Mourning, comfort. And provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Grieving over ashes, crown of beauty. The oil of joy instead of mourning, mourning and joy. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Look at the contrast of what Jesus the Messiah came to bring to your life. And listen, if you've yet to begin to walk in that contrast of all of the good things that Jesus said, I've come to do this for my people, then it's time for you to begin to reroute your thinking, let the good stuff begin to come in, and let it begin to take root inside of your heart, and let the goodness of God begin to flow out of your life and into this world. And don't you know, that's where revival begins to happen, is right inside of us in our thinking and our ability to say, you know what, I'm going to filter out the bad and only let the good come in. That's beautiful. That's what Jesus came to do. And look what he says, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of His splendor. He says, my people will be on display in the world for my splendor. Don't you want to be that? Would you bow your heads? What are you offended about? It's time to give it to God. What are you hurt over? It's time to give it to Him. Is your life's agenda full of peace and hope and joy, beauty, praise, healing, good news, freedom? Is that your life's story? Is that your life's mission? Or is your life about being poor and brokenhearted, a captive, mourning, grieving, ashes, spirit of despair? What's your life about? It's time to live that contrast. God, I thank you today that we let your word soak into us. I pray that, Father, each and every one of us will get a healthy dose of all that the Messiah, Jesus, came to give to His people. We believe in You. And God, today we repent of all the unnecessary pain that we've allowed to come into our lives. Things that people said that they never meant for pain. And even the things that people said or did that they meant for pain. We turn it over to You. and We say, God... We know that you'll turn it into something good 
you'll use it as a blessing for us if we trust you with it. So today we do that. We turn it all over to you. And we forgive those who have hurt us intentionally and unintentionally. We forgive. We choose to just let it go. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father. Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted Christ into your life. Would you just do that right now? Lord Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for forgiving me for my sin. What you did on the cross paid for all of my sin. And I'm grateful for that. So much so that I want to have a relationship with you. I want to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And I want to accommodate for you living inside of me for the rest of my life. I want you to feel comfortable living in me. And I want to fulfill your purpose for my life. So today I give you my life and I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you made that decision today, I just want to give you an opportunity to say, yeah, John, that was me. I accepted Christ into my life today. And I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but what I will ask you to do is just right where you're seated, look at me until my eyes catch yours. If that was you today, you made that decision. Look up at me until my eyes catch yours. All right? Anybody else? Amen. Amen. 